And let's read just three verses again. We won't read the whole thing again. But just three verses. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 18, chapter 8, verse 2, and chapter 8, verse 18. And if you have your own Bible, and if you have a pen, I'd like you to circle a word, and that is the word remember. Uh, Verse 17 and 18, if thou say in thine heart, these nations are more than I, how can I dispossess them? Thou shalt not be afraid of them, but shalt well remember what the Lord thy God did unto Pharaoh and unto all Egypt. Chapter 8, verse 2, and thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. And verse 18. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenants, which he sware unto thy fathers as it is this day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we consider the promised land and moving forward by faith, Father, I pray you'd teach us to remember that we can trust you. Father, teach us to remember that we must trust you. And Father, I pray that you would teach us to remember that every good gift and every perfect gift is from you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The children of Israel, in our story, of course, the children of Israel have been coming to the promised land. And the children of Israel are at, as it were, a crossroads. Across the Jordan River are enemies that they cannot seemingly, in human ability, conquer. And so the children of Israel are at a crossroads where the only way forward is if they will trust God. The only way to obey God, the only way to follow God is to step out into the unknown, is to step out into the enemy territory. And I believe we have here a picture, a beautiful picture of the Christian life because God has called us that we are to trust him. And if you and I are to live a life of obedience to Christ, can I say, if we are to live a life of simple obedience to Christ, God is going to bring us to situations, and God is going to bring us to trials where the only way, the only way we'll obey God, the only way we'll truly follow Him, the only way we'll be willing to step out and be different is if we trust Him. And I want to challenge you tonight that the life of obedience is a life of faith. And the children of Israel are on the edge of the promised land. Of course, the the promised land is is filled filled with milk and is filled with honey. We remember the report of the 12 spies. And they said, the land is just like God has said. It is, you can't quite put it into words. The children of Israel, they're looking at the blessing of God. 
But they're fearful. They're fearful because the enemies, the enemies are real. The enemies are dangerous. They're fearful because if they step out in faith and they cross the Jordan River, if God does not meet them at their faith, failure is not only possible, failure is inevitable. You see, God is bringing them not to the point of partial faith. God is bringing them to the place of complete faith. And truly trusting God is never comfortable. When God brings you to the trial, when God brings you, and maybe it's not a trial, maybe it's something that God has told you to do and you feel completely unable Whatever your Jordan River is, whatever God's will for your life is, when God brings you to that place, you're going to have to trust him. But we don't like trust. We, trusting God is never comfortable. Trusting God is, is unnatural. It has an idea of, of, of vulnerability. If you're going to trust God, that means you're going to step out and there's something, there's a, there's a part that you don't know. There's a blindness. We like to see how everything will work from the beginning. We like to be in control. We like to know the variables. We like to know what we're getting into. We like to know the end. But God says, no, if you're going to obey me, If you're going to live the life of obedience, which is the life of blessing, you're going to have to trust me. And so when the finances don't add up, trust me. And when success seems unlikely, trust me. The possibilities for Christians of of, who are living by faith are endless. What, what God can do with someone who will just trust him and obey him no matter what. They'll just trust him. Um, D.L. Moody, a famous evangelist, has said, is yet to be seen what, what God can do with a life that is totally yielded to him. Lord, I'll trust you. Lord, I'll do anything. Lord, I'll cross the Jordan It's amazing what God wants to do with my life and what God wants to do with your life. But Jesus said to his disciples, he said, when the Son of Man cometh, when when Jesus Christ returns, will he find faith on the earth? And so the great question is, Lord, how do I trust? Lord, I know I have to trust. The Bible says in Hebrews eleven six, 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. James chapter 1, the just shall live by faith. Our memory verse we just memorized. We know that we have to trust God. We know, but what is it that will bring us to trust God? I love this. Is, this is beautiful. We, Moses says, listen, if you're going to trust God, I want you to remember. Remember the faithfulness of God. And I want you to look back on how God has met your needs in the past. Look back how God has been faithful. Look back how, look back at the old fears. 
Look back at the things that you thought were impossible, but you gave to God and you followed God. I want you to look back at how God has met your needs and see how nothing is impossible with God. And I want you to look back and see how God not only was able, but God was present and he was able to meet your needs and he was able to bring you into the promised land. You see, sometimes when our faith is weak and sometimes, as Paul said, we are pressed out of measure, we're tired. We know theoretically we can trust God, but sometimes the inner faith is tried and it's hard Sometimes we got to step back and we got to remember that God has been faithful and we got to review God's work in the past. God's faithfulness in the past is what will spur us to trust him for the future. Sometimes it's important to look back. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, one of the great definitions of faith is Hebrews 12 too. Looking unto Jesus. Looking, and so we know as believers, faith is looking to Jesus. It's trusting in Jesus. It's resting in Jesus. But when our faith is so weak that we cannot look up, let us look back. Let us pause. And let us consider what God is, has done. And you know, when we look back, the children of Israel sometimes look back. But, you know, they looked back and they wanted to go back. They wanted to go back to the life of ease. They wanted to go back to, to where they didn't have to trust God. Let me caution you. When, when, when we look back at how God has provided for us, we're not looking back at with, with wishful eyes. No, I'm grateful for where God has brought me. I'm grateful for what God has done in my life. But I'm looking back to see the God of yesterday and to see the God who is faithful because I know the faithful God of yesterday is the God who never changes and so I know that if I could trust God, if, 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 I, if I could trust God yesterday and he was faithful, well, then I can trust him today. Notice, first of all, let us remember the power of God. Hebrews, or sorry, Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 17. He goes through a list. When the Lord, uh, sorry, if thou shalt say in thine heart, these nations are more than I, how can I dispossess them? Though thou shalt not be afraid of them, but thou shalt well remember what the Lord thy God did unto Pharaoh and unto all Egypt. First of all, let us remember Pharaoh. You, children of Israel, you're afraid of, of the promised land? Look what God did for you before. God delivered Pharaoh. Look at what God did for, he delivered Egypt. And we look at Pharaoh and we look at Egypt and we see that if God can answer that, if there was any battle I could not win, it was, it was in Egypt. It was Pharaoh. It was as slaves. It was with nothing. And we understand that Pharaoh and Egypt is a picture of the world. Pharaoh in Egypt is, the, is a picture of me before I was saved. 
And it's almost as if Jesus, as if Moses is saying, listen, remember when Jesus delivered you. Remember the greatest deliverance that Jesus could ever have worked in your life. Bigger than the problems, bigger than the financial problems, your need and my greatest need was the need of salvation. Oh, how great a salvation God has wrought. Remember Pharaoh. And, re- and then he says, remember the, test, the temptations, which is times of testing. And I want to be very careful how I, under- how, how I, how I explain this. Remember that the times of testing, remember the ten plagues where God says he hardened Pharaoh's heart. Now, some people like to look at God hardening Pharaoh's heart and they like to use that to say, well, see, the Bible teaches that there's no free will of man. Well, if you study the passage, if you study it carefully, before God ever hardened his heart, in Exodus chapter 7, Pharaoh rejected God. So I think it's important to say that God did not harden a soft heart. God hardened a hard heart. But we see when God sovereignly hardens Pharaoh's heart to where Pharaoh is going to, Pharaoh will not let them go. We see that God is not interested in partial victory. God is interested in the complete destruction of the enemy. Remember when, remember when Moses, if you've read Exodus chapter, if you've read through Exodus, the first time Moses asks for deliverance, he says, let's go a day's journey. Let's go two days journey. Let's go three days journey. Okay, now we want the family. But God brings them to a place. He hardens Pharaoh. He remembered the temptation where God didn't just bring the partial victory that they kind of thought was all they could hope for. God was greater. And we can trust God because as we live Christian lives, you know what we get to discover? (laughs) What we get to discover is that God's way is better. And God's victory is more complete. And, and, And the times when I thought God wasn't in control, and the times when I thought, God, where were you? God was sovereignly working a much greater plan. And so we look at the temptations, and we look at Pharaoh, and we understand I can trust God. Notice also, look at the signs The signs were, uh, he says, signs and wonders. Signs are the amazing things that God did. But more specifically, signs were the amazing things that God said he was going to do and then did. And in the fact that not only is it a random occurrence. No, before God ever did it, he said he would do it. It was to understand that God is the one who has worked in our life. God is the one who has intentionally delivered us. And then notice the wonders. The wonders, the word wonders is pretty self-explanatory. Wonders is amazing. It means amazing. It means incredible. It, it, it describes the times when the children of Israel are coming out of Egypt and they're entering into the promised land. There are several times Do you remember there's several times in their journey that they begin to complain and they say, Lord, we're going to die. 
Lord, you brought us out here for the Egyptians to kill us. Lord, you made us hunger. Lord, you made us thirst. We're going to die. In In essence, Lord, you brought us to an end of ourselves where there was no way except God. And God says, remember the wonders, remember the Red Sea when there's an ocean in front of you and God parts the ocean. Remember the waters of Marah, which are, are bitter. Remember when you were hungry and God gives manna. Remember there is nothing impossible with God. God says, Moses is telling the children of Israel, listen, you need to remember how God has worked in your life. You need to remember his power, his sovereignty, his omniscience, and remember God can be trusted today because God could be trusted tomorrow. There is no problem in my life I cannot give to God. God can be trusted because he is a very present help in trouble. There is no problem in my life that God does not want to intervene. I can trust him. Children of Israel, remember. Remember your history. Remember God's faithfulness and trust him. Then he continues. And he says, verse 19, Remember the mighty hand and the stretched out arm whereby the Lord thy God brought thee out. Do we understand the power of God? Turn to Isaiah chapter 40. Turn in chapter 40 and verse 14. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 14. With whom took he counsel? And who instructed him? And taught him in the path of judgment? And taught him knowledge? And showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket. And are counted as the small dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh the very little, the isles as a, a very little thing. And Lebanon is not sufficient to burn, nor the beasts thereof sufficient for a burnt offering. All nations before him are as nothing. And they are accounted to him as less than nothing and vanity. Is anything too hard for God? The question could be asked. Is anything hard for God? No. Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12. We're going to turn in a good bit of scripture this evening. This is, in, in, or earlier, just a few minutes ago, we sang, Come thou fount of every blessing. And the second verse says, Here I raise mine Ebenezer. Now, if you're like me, for the first 15 years I sang that song, I didn't know what Ebenezer meant. <laughs> But it's a beautiful word, and it's really the point of this message. First uh, uh, Samuel chapter seven, verse twelve. I'm turning myself. Then.
Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shan, and called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. And so what Samuel did is he took a stone and he said, I'm going to put this in a prominent place, in a prominent way where people are walking by. So they're going to see that. They're going to see the Ebenezer. And they're going to remember God has helped us this far. And the point of Ebenezer is to remember that God has helped me this far. And so you know what? I know God's going to help me tomorrow to do. I know God's going to help me today. We can trust God, our faith in God for today and for the future is spurred by the remembering of God's past faithfulness. So I would encourage you, I would challenge you, have your Ebenezer. Trust God. Believe you can trust God. Why? We can trust God because of the proof of his power. We can also trust God because of his promise. Turn to Exodus chapter 6. And then this is the children of Israel just in the, children, uh, in the middle of the plagues or beginning the plagues. And it backfires. And God gives them a promise. And he says, he's talking to Moses, Exodus chapter 6, verse 7, and he says, I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into the land concerning which I swear unto Abram and to Isaac and to Jacob, and I will give it you for an heritage of the Lord. I am the Lord. Why could the children of Israel confidently going to the promised land. Very simply, God promised it to them. God promised it to them. And we can move forward in our Christian life based on the promises of God. What are you struggling with? What are you struggling to trust God with? What is it that keeps you fearful? What is it that concerns you? What is it that discourages you? Can I challenge you, take the promises of God's word. Is, is it that there's not enough? Do you, do you claim the promise, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory? What if you're feeling inadequate? Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you shall perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, call unto me and I will answer thee. And show the great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Another reason we can, we can move forward for God. Another reason we can trust him is because he's promised. He's given us promises. I have here um, a, a book. God's promises book. And all it is is Bible verses. It's, it's topical Bible verses on promises. Promises um, how you can what to do um, when you're discouraged, what to do when you feel confused, what to do when you feel condemned, and I oh I hope that you let the promise of God inspire faith in your life. And notice in chapter seven verse twenty two of Deuteronomy of our text, Deuteronomy chapter seven verse twenty two. Notice also. 
Thou shalt not be affrighted, verse 21, thou shalt not be affrighted at them, for the Lord thy God is among you, a mighty God and terrible. And the Lord thy God will put out those nations before thee, little by little and little. Thou mayest not consume them at once, lest, thou, lest the beasts of the field increase upon thee. Understand that today's strength is sufficient for today's battles. God is not calling you to trust him for everything that he's doing in this life. God's calling you to trust him for your battle. And God says, listen, you're not going to conquer the promised land. I'm not going to bring you to a point of faith where there's this magical moment of faith where you're free to live from, from faith afterwards. You've got the whole promised land. There's a great picture here of progressive sanctification. God says, I'm going to bring you into the land and you have to trust me. But if you will trust me, I'm going to give it to you. And by the way, you have to trust me tomorrow too. And you have to trust me tomorrow too. There's something, there's something amazing about the journey of faith. You would think we would learn. You would think we would learn after God has been so faithful. And he has worked in such a mighty way. You would think we would learn not to be afraid. You would think we'd get the faith thing figured out. But once you get this level of faith, you know what God says? Well, I'm going to give you a a greater trial. So then you're going to have to have greater faith and greater faith. And we are never free to live from faith. So if you're a Christian and you're frustrated about your problem, guess what? That's a faith problem. That's a problem that God is wanting you to trust him with. And by the way, God did not give them this. Notice what he says. And the Lord thy God will put out those nations before thee little by little. That thou mayest not, but thou mayest not consume them at once, lest the beasts of the field increase upon thee. It was an order that they may not. God, it was not that God could not give them all of the promised land in one day. The problem was, was that they couldn't handle it. And, you know, we have to trust God's timing and trust God's plan. And if we can trust God moving into the, into the promised land and trust his timing, then we can say today, his grace is sufficient for me. We can trust him because of his power. We can trust him because of his promise. We can trust him because of his plan. Let us remember the power of God. But then secondly, let us remember the process of God. Do you, I think most of us today are familiar with the children of Israel. God delivers them in Exodus He brings them into the wilderness and he prepares them to go into the promised land. The 12 spies come back. The 10 of them give an evil report. And what do the children of Israel do? They say, we're not going in because the enemy is too strong. Unbelief. They would not go in because of unbelief. And I love this. So what does God do? Does God say... Okay, well then the deal's off. No. God says, 
you're going to go in the wilderness then. Turn back to Deuteronomy chapter 4, just a couple of chapters. You see, in Isaiah chapter 43, But now this, thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. And the truth is, when Israel entered into a covenant relationship with God, and it was an unconditional covenant. Um, notice uh, Deuteronomy chapter 4. Oh, sorry. Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse number 27. A key to understanding the relationship of Israel and the church is to understand that certain covenants were conditional and certain covenants were unconditional. That's kind of a, a complex thought there, but it's important. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 27. And the Lord shall scatter you among the nations and shall be left few in number among the heathen whither the Lord shall lead you. Okay, so this is if they disobey. And ye shall serve gods and the work of men's hands, wood and stone, which neither they neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell. Now notice verse 29. This is fascinating. But if from thence... Thou shalt seek the Lord thy God. Thou shalt find him. If thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul, when thou art in tribulation, and all these things are come upon thee, even in thy latter days, if thou turn to the Lord thy God, and shalt be obedient unto his voice, for the Lord thy God is a merciful God, he will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy father's which he swear unto thee. So God has, of course, that's speaking to the Abrahamic covenant, the, the, the unconditional, eternal covenant. But Israel oh, disobeys God, and they want to go back to Egypt. And you know what God says? God says, hold on just a minute. You're not going anywhere. And you know, it's, it's a beautiful picture of the Christian life because we understand that um, Wherefore, as by one, uh, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. We too are in a covenant, and it is unconditional. It is eternal, and salvation is eternal. So, when we disobey God, when the children of Israel disobey God, does God just say, "Okay, no biggie. You go your way. I'll go my way. This never happened." And in a way, there's a covenant. So what does God do? Look at Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 5. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 5, sorry. God says, okay, here's what we're going to do. You're still my children. I still love you. I'll still be faithful to you. But we're going to have a little, uh, we're going to have a little heart to heart here. <laughs> Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 5. Thou shalt consider in thine heart... That is, a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. God says, okay, you're not going to trust me in the promised land? Well, then we're going to go back to the wilderness. And if you're not going to trust me to move forward for greater things for God, well, then you know what I'm going to have to do? I'm going to have to take you back to the wilderness to where you have to trust him for your necessities. You see, if you're a child of God, you don't 
get to choose, you don't get to live by faith or not. God will not let you live in unbelief. And those who will not move forward when God calls them, those who will not obey when God is speaking their hearts because they're afraid or because for any number of reasons, God says, okay, well, I'm going to chasten you. I'm going to take you to the wilderness. And the wilderness, though it is a place of difficulty, there's no water. There's no food. There's no comforts. There's no luxuries. Though the the wilderness, it is a place of difficulty. It's not a place of punishment. Here's the key. It's a place of learning. It's a place of learning to trust God. Notice in Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 2. Remember the process of God. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years. And the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee and to know what was in thine heart. God says, in the wilderness, I'm going to humble you. If you won't trust me, I'm going to bring you to a trial. And I'm going to bring you to the place where you have nothing. Remember, because we're in a covenant relationship. God's going to bring us to a place where we have nothing. Where we have to trust him for anything that we have. And then we'll learn to trust him. And the believers who will not live by faith and obey by faith. Can I tell you, after years in the ministry, you know what I've I've seen? I've seen not only will they not go into the promised land, they live year after year after year after year in the wilderness because they won't trust him. You say, what do you mean they won't trust him? Look at chapter 8, verse 2 again. Not only will he humble us and bring us to the point of living just beyond, just barely with our means. Giving us just enough for that day. If they had manna and it went an extra day, it was spoiled. Notice God said that I I will humble thee and I will prove thee. To know what is in thine heart. God says in the wilderness I'm going to do two things. I'm going to humble you. So you learn you have to trust me. You don't get to choose. You have to trust me. And then he says then I'm going to prove you. What does it mean prove? I'm going to figure out do you really trust me? Do you really trust me? Notice he says in verse 2. To know what is in thine heart. And whether thou shalt keep his commandments or no. I know Moses' faith. I know Joshua's faith, but what's your faith? Oh, and by the way, I'm going to prove you to know if you trust me. And here's how I'm going to know. Look at at chapter 8, verse 2. Here's how I'm going to know. To humble thee and to prove thee and to know what is in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. James said, show me thy faith without thy works. I will show you my faith by my works. Hebrews chapter 11 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What does it mean to trust God? Can I tell you, we prove whether whether we truly trust God by by our obedience to Him. And somebody who will not obey Him does not trust Him. Faith is expressed 
is expressed or demonstrated in obedience to God's revealed will and prayerful giving of cares to him. You know what faith is? Faith is this. Faith reads the word of God and it says, in my trial, I'm going to do my part and I'm going to trust God to do his part. There, we, we prove that we trust God. We prove that we're looking to God by obeying his revealed will. Can I remind you of Martha? Just a few. You know, there's a real principle in scripture. I hope this is clear. Where when we come to God with a need, God gives us a direction. And we prove our faith in God when we follow that direction. Martha tells Jesus, Lord, my, my brother Lazarus, he's dead. And Jesus says, I'll heal him. Roll away the stone. Okay, if you really believe me, well then roll away the stone. Um, Naaman, who's the Assyrian general, says, God will heal him. But you must wash in the Jordan River. King Saul, God will fight for you. He will destroy the Philistines. But you must wait. God says, I'm going to prove you whether you really trust me. By keeping his commandments. And we express our faith when we come to God in obedience, doing what he has told us to do, and then in marvelous, beautiful rest, trusting him to do what we cannot do. Faith is doing what we know we ought to do. God says, I'm gonna, if you won't trust me, well, you know what? I'm gonna take you to the wilderness. Where, where you learn to trust me. And your faith is going to be demonstrated in your obedience. I think it's uh, just so wonderful. When, you, when, when I watch, I'll just be general here, but when, when you watch believers go through times of trial and they go through times of testing and all they do, here's how they believe that God's going to answer. Here's how they just do what they know to do. They do what they know is right. They do what God's word says. And when they're tempted to let go, when they're tempted to let easy, they say, no, I trust God. I'm going to obey him. And God, God answers. Now, I just want to be careful to say the faith of the Christian life is an act of faith. The faith of salvation is a resting faith. We're not working to prove our faith of salvation. No. Uh, John chapter 1. But as many as received him. To them gave he power to become the sons of God. Um, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But the faith of trusting God in our day to day lives. Is evidenced in our obedience. Thirdly. And uh, remember, you, uh, remember God's power. You can trust him. Remember God's process. You must trust him. Thirdly. Remember God's Purpose. We must praise him. Notice uh, verse 11. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command thee this day. Look, there's, there's a beautiful thought here in, in verse number 7. Uh, For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, and a land of brooks, of water, and fountains and depths that spring out of valleys, a land of wheat and barley, vines, Uh, Verse 9, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness. Thou shalt not lack anything in it. That is the opposite of the wilderness. 
God said, I don't want to give you the wilderness. We don't want to go back there. But I can't give you the promised land if you won't go in by faith. Because if you get to go in in your own strength, that means when you get into the promised land, well, then you're going to be tempted to praise yourself and not praise him. But when you have to trust God, when you come to raw faith, when you obey God and you know only God can do this, when you do get the blessing, those are the people who praise God with a deepful, grateful heart. Remember, why is it that God requires you to live by faith? Because he is a jealous God. And because he must get all glory. Numbers chapter 14, 21 says, But as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. 1 Corinthians 1 says, He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Look at chapter 8, verse 18. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for he it is that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant with thee. When you receive the blessing, remember to praise. Remember that the piece of bread you had today for lunch, God gave that to you. Remember that the the energy that you had to walk to work yesterday, God gave to you. Remember that every blessing, and if you will take credit for yourself, And if you and I fail to be grateful, God says, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. we got to go back to the wilderness. Oh, we got to remember that with the manna, God gives us everything. So I wonder tonight, where are you? Are you in the wilderness? If you're in the wilderness, God's trying to build your faith. God's trying to prove to you every day you can trust him in the little things. I wonder if you're standing on the promised land, if if God is convicting your heart about some decision you need to trust God to obey. Maybe it's just to trust God to be willing to be different. But something that God is commanding to you, some obedient choice God is calling you to make, and and you're saying, no. No, I don't believe it'll work. No, I don't believe it's good. God says, no, you have to trust me. You have to trust me to obey me. Can I trust him? Well, let's remember all that God has done for us. Let's remember all that God is faithful. And maybe you're in the promised land. Maybe you're enjoying God's blessing and you have trusted him. Well, then learn to praise him. But remember, remember, God is able. Whatever I face, God is able I can trust him. God requires that I trust him. And God requires that we praise him for all that he's done. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer.